Hello again, everybody. Uh, today, we will read articles and comment on the Arizona audit process in real time. Hello again, everybody. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to do uh, multiple things here at once, so bear with me. Um, I've uh, triggered a stream on uh, D Live, and I'm also uh, uh, cur currently trying to record on uh, Sprecher. So I'm doing two things at once. So uh, this may not be the cleanest broadcast, but I'm trying to progress. So the D Live stream is showing uh, playing. Uh, it's starting to catch up here, but um, it might take a bit because uh, I don't necessarily have the um, computer re quite uh, in place to handle this. My apologies there. There may be some, like, uh, the stream goes a little bit slower than the, than the recording here, but uh, welcome back. Um, today I'm, I'm going to try to uh, talk and discuss. I gotta get my mic set up here right so it's not too loud. So I'm uh, watching the live stream here in Arizona and it's gonna have a, a slight delay. Hopefully, it's still live on uh, DLive. I noticed when I did this before, it had a tendency to want to cut out. So I'm gonna go to full view on my uh, Arizona stream. Uh, there's a can there's nine different cameras that are used uh, to promote the to do the stream. And meanwhile, for those on audio, so they're currently doing this. Uh, they have color, t color co for the Sprecher audience. Uh, they have a color-coded uh, teams that are set up uh, that analyze the ballots. Um, I think for signatures, they have a um, spindle table that they 
each of the people sit at a table. There's three people that are specifically assigned to do the looking at the ballot and the signatures, I think, and, and other particulars. There's a, a person who puts the ballot in, and there's a b- person that takes the ballot, you know, takes the ba- um hands it across to the the initial uh, loader. There's a spindle in the middle that there's like two uh, two spindles, and the ballots are uh, put on that. Uh, they have uh, three three computer screens above the area. And the computer screens are set up that can be vertical or horizontal uh, to look at uh, for the auditors. Um, and then there's also a printer. There's a computer system. I think they may scan the ballot. Uh, actually, uh, when he hands it across, I think initially there's a uh, 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 a the paper the the ballot is actually scanned and then on the outside so that's the interior uh main uh place on the outside there's a uh, there's uh these uh centers where they're doing uh uh infrared they have a light um they use an infrared light in their hand and they scan the ballot down i think they're looking for a, a specific markings or on the on the ballot itself, and they put it in a box. But initially, the lady uh, there's a lady in the place I'm looking at right now. There's a lady. There's two ladies and a gentleman. The one lady is he. She takes the ballot. She puts it on a uh, on a flat bed, on a flat surface. There's a camera above head. She lines it up accordingly. And then she accesses a computer and takes a, 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 sna- a snapshot of it. Then she hands it across, which takes us after she verifies that the image has been uh, completed and stored, I assume. She hands it across to a lady who uh, takes the ballot. And she, uh, I'm watching to see what she does here. So she she uh, does some kind of... Uh, uh, um, application on it, looks at it. She has some some equipment in front of her. She looks at it through that equipment, and then she hands it over to the gentleman who has a box. It's basically it looks like a cardboard box stood up. He attaches the the ballot into the box. There's probably a clip at the top, and then he takes the the forensic light and uh, goes over the ballot, and he looks it over. And he uses his light, um, and then pulls it out, and then puts it back into puts it into the box accordingly uh, to an outbox, which is where all the ballots are stored at. So there's a stack of ballot at the end of the table, probably you know fifteen hundred ballots or so. So that's what's going on out in Arizona. Uh, I don't want to just concentrate on that, but that is one part of this. I think it's an important part, obviously, but uh, I just wanted to make that clear at this point uh, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Revolver which is going to um, there was an article that was uh, uh, written uh, a couple days ago and I'm, it's about uh, the linen, the Black Lives Matter, there's a picture that's the top picture of this so Thursday marked the 151st birthday of the most successful revolutionary, uh, revolutionary of all time, Vladimir Lenin. With only a tiny cabal of diehard followers, Lenin seized control of the world's largest country 
and inaugurated a reign of darkness and terror that lasted 70 years. There are many uh, lessons to be drawn from the blood-soaked life of Lenin, but one of the most important is this takeaway from this terrifying, woke movement of America is living through right now. Things are not going to... Things are not going to naturally get better. Things will not organically calm down. Until there is a fundamental reset of America's treasonous leadership class, today's unthinkable witch hunt is merely a prelude of an even darker globalist terror to come. The Bolsheviks were indisputably more murderous than today's left, if only because they lived in a more violent age. But even they had to ramp up how much terror they engaged in. At the beginning of their rule, in fact, the Bolsheviks were even willing to run a fair election. Just days after the October Revolution, they held the pre-planned election of Russia's Constituent Assembly, anticipating an easy win. To their surprise, they were easily defeated by the socialist revolutionaries. And so, like any good leftists, they simply nullified the election and dissolved the Constituent Assembly. Since it was a hundred years ago, and the Bolsheviks were well-armed, it was enough to simply announce that the Constituent Assembly was closed. Today, they might concoct a more elaborate narrative, perhaps that the socialist revolutionaries engaged in collusion with a foreign power. Once they had taken power, the Bolsheviks did not immediately launch Stalin-style mass purges. They started off in a way modern Americans would find disturbingly familiar, by legitimizing criminal anarchy and co-justice system. In the early, earliest days, I'm trying to stop something here. In their earliest days, the Bolsheviks framed their political abuses as as a war war on privilege. In a tactic eerily reminiscent of the 2020 riots, the Bolsheviks of 1918 encouraged a, a decentralized campaign by the masses to plunder and crush class enemies. A quote. In January twenty uh, in January nineteen eighteen, at a meeting of party agitators on their way to the provinces, Lenin explained that the plunder of the bourgeoisie property was to be encouraged as a form of social justice by revenge. It was a question of looting the looters. Under this slogan, the slogan which the Bolsheviks soon made their own, there was an orgy of robbery and violence in the next few months. Uh, Gorky described it as mass pomgram. Armed gangs robbed their propertied and then robbed each other. Swindlers, thieves, and bandits grew rich as law and order finally vanished. Uh, this is uh, from Figus, a People's Tragedy, page 525 to 526. This class-based economic warfare was coupled with a revolution in criminal justice. First, the mob replaced the old system of law and order, and then the Bolsheviks came in to lend, uh, to lend it the gloss of structure. Uh, hold on a second here. So I'm just making sure everything's uh, checking out right. So I got got things going okay here. Uh, looks like D Live is still showing that it's uh, live. So okay. <clears throat> so where was I? Uh, crime became a class issue where mundane criminals were free while class enemies were targeted for the most brutal repression on the flimsiest grounds. Quote, Since the police and the old criminal courts had virtually disappeared, there was a common feeling that the only way to deal with the problem of crime was by mob trials in the streets. 
as the socio-economic crisis deepened and the popular belief developed that the bourgeoisies were responsible for it, or the, actually that's not bourgeoisie, the bursers, I can't even pronounce the word, B-U-R-Z-H-O-O-I-S, that tells you that I don't, uh, should probably read a little bit closer. The bourgeois were responsible for it. So these mob trials began to assume an overtly class nature. They became a weapon in the war against privilege, focused less on petty thieves from the urban poor and much more on merchants and shopkeepers, factory owners and employers, army officers, former czarist officials, and other figures of uh, superordinate authority. The Bolsheviks gave institutional form to the mob trials through the New People's Courts, where revolutionary justice was summarily administered in all criminal cases. The old criminal justice system, with its former rules of law, was abolished as a relic of the bourgeoisie order. The sessions of the People's Court were little more than formalized mob trials. Robbers, and sometimes even murderers, of the rich were often given only very light sentence, or even acquitted altogether, if they pleaded poverty as a cause of their crime. The looters of the looters had been legalized, and in the process, law as such abolished. There was only lawlessness. Lenin had always been insistent that the legal system should be used as a weapon of mass terror against the bourgeoisie. The system of mob law, which evolved through the people's courts, gave him the weapon of terror. That's from the uh, same uh, quotation. Reading about the Bolshevik system, it becomes much easier to understand the events in our own time. In South Carolina, an Army Sergeant Jonathan uh, Pentland has been charged with assault for shoving a black man on the sidewalk. The facts of the case are overwhelmingly favored Pentland. The man he shoved had a history of harassing the women of the neighborhood, and Pentland was stepping in to stop just, uh, just such a case of harassment. But the facts of the case are nothing compared to the facts of the participants. Pentland is white and he therefore represents a figure of authority in the minds of the underclass. This makes him a second-class citizen in 2021. His every action is presumptively racist and to be punished with maximum viciousness. Not only is he facing criminal charges, but he is also investigation under investigation by the Army and DOJ. He was condemned by his superiors, and the police let a mob surround and vandalize his home. Meanwhile, in San Francisco... A far worse assault on an elderly Asian man ended in no charges at all because the attacker was from one of the left's more privileged races. It is a strategy, che- uh, a strategy Cheka officer Martin Lattice would understand well. Do not look for evidence as proof that the accused has acted or spoken against the Soviets. First, you must ask him what class he belongs what is his social origin, his education, and his and profession? These are the questions that must determine the fate of the accused. That is the meaning of the Red Terror. That's from Alpha History. Crucially, from their oppressive beginnings, the Bolsheviks only grew more fanatical and more violent over time. The decentralized wave of mob justice and plunder gave way to a more centralized and ruthless campaign to exterminate enemies of the regime. We must put at end, once and for all, all, to all the papist Quaker babble about the sanctity of human life, said Trotsky, one of the chief uh, apostles of the so-called Red Terror. 
The chief catalyst of the terror was Fanny Kaplan's attempted assassination of Lenin in August 1918. The Bolsheviks, always prone to paranoia, reacted to the attack with the rage of a berserker. They immediately announced the revival of the death penalty, which had been abolished after the overthrow of the Tsar. Hundreds of political opponents were shot immediately, and orders went out across the quarter for a, a country for the Cheka to round up hostages and shoot them in response for the slightest opposition. As the terror spread, the torment grew more creative. Each local Cheka had its own specialty. In Kharkov, they went in for the glove trick, burning the victim's hand in boiling water until the blistered skin could be peeled off. This left the victim with raw and bleeding hands and their tortures with human gloves. The Zar... The... Tsarissin, uh, I can't pronounce that either. It's Tsar Itsin Cheka saw its victims' bones in half. In uh, Vor, uh, Voronezh, uh, they rolled their naked victims in nail-studded barrels. In Arm Armavir, they crushed their skulls by tightening a leather strap with an iron bolt around their head. In Kiev, they affixed a cage with rats to the victims' torso and heated heated it so their enraged rats ate their way through the victim's guts in an effort to escape. In Odessa, they chained their victims to planks and pushed them slowly into a furnace or a tank of boiling water. A favorite winter torture was to pour water on the naked victims until they became living ice statues. Many Chekas preferred psychological forms of torture. One had a one had the victims led off to what they thought was their execution, only to find that, that a blank was fired at them. Another had victims buried alive or kept them in a coffin with a corpse. Figs, A People's Tragedy, page uh, 646. The press played an integral role in radicalizing the masses and justifying the terror. Only rivers of blood can atone for the blood of Lenin, cried one paper. Pravda announced that the time has come for us to crush the bourgeoisie or be crushed by it. It sounds ghoulish to us, but then again, our own papers run headlines like this. So, this is from May 2020. How white women use themselves as instruments of terror. And then, there's a that's by Charles M. Blow. So, the Reds were initially radicalized by a sense of being under threat. But once their full dep depravity was unleashed, it crucially did not start to moder uh, moderate simply because they were winning. At the end of the Russian Civil War, thousands of soldiers and officers in, white ar in the White Army surrendered after they received a promise of amnesty. Once they were all rounded up, all of them were shot. The next three decades of Soviet regime brought one round after another of purges, famines, Dekulakization uh, de de and terror, and terror. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, this article was quite long, so I'm gonna stop uh, stop at that point. I'm gonna double check on some things. So yes, uh, that's from Darren Beatty's uh, uh, Revolver News site. I've linked in the description. I think it's important to realize that uh, yeah, we're in a dangerous situation when you have these these kind of people willing to kill and, and murder and do whatever is necessary to achieve power so when you see a peaceful analysis of uh, votes out in Arizona and that's what they're doing they're peacefully uh, doing their job they're just trying to get to the right answers 
you should commend that. You could you should uh, look at that as bravery, in light of all the media scrutiny, and how evil our media has become. And I say evil because there's no other way to describe it. Um, these are the people that a few years ago, say a decade ago, I used to turn on the news and listen to. Now they're filled with uh, these sycophants who are propping up the communist revolution, so to speak. The Marxism, the Democrats who are demagoguing and acting as if they're not, uh, they don't have blood on their hands, in which they do, which is dangerous because they're seeing, they see themselves as, uh, they see themselves as uh, the righteous ones, as do. In reality, they're the evil ones and they just don't realize it. They think that they're, they think they're, they're, uh, quote unquote, helping society. The American legal justice system is not uh, inherently racist. It's not inherently perfect either. It's always had its downside. I've been in the American justice system. I know what the justice system is and what it is not. This said, we have a class of people in our country, and this is what happens when you uh, you uh, change your cultural cultural makeup and you also do the things that have been done by the Democrats in particular and most pointedly. So in the mid-1960s, a guy named LBJ supposedly did all these wonderful things. But if you look at the results of his uh, 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 suggestions and and or policies that, that hamstrung the black community, uh, that introduced or, you know, and I won't blame it on him, but... Uh, uh, when the divorce became, you know, the no-fault divorce in 1969, when those things started to uh, intertwine into our culture, and Roe v. Wade became uh, the law of the land in, in late 1972, you introduced the degradation of society. I know lots of liberals uh, de decry this, but lots of liberals are, are very misinformed about what has, has been the outcome of this. The reason why the United States was actually a very prosperous nation and working to become a better nation in a host of ways was due to the fact that the outside of war, from World War II to the early 1970s, we had an economic boom. We were uh, learning to deal with the problems that had gone on in our social uh, environments, uh, raising uh, the ability to have equality of equality of opportunity in our country and those things were important those things were worth fighting for thereafter though we just the communist and the marxist and the postmodernists and all the people that uh, have pushed this cultural marxism have been pushing and they've been gradually kicking over the institutions namely the education system uh, the department of education was formed in the late 1970s um, ostensibly it has done nothing but ruin and wreck the education. If you look at the CDC and you look at the National Institutes of Health and the FDA, if you look at the way they've addressed uh, people's diet and, and, and taught them uh, how to live, they've turned us into a, uh, uh, they've uh, uh, created a, a huge obesity problem in this country. It's not just because, it isn't because uh, the people of this country suddenly got lazy. In fact, we probably work more hours than we did back in the 1960s. No, our diets have gone to crap. And why? Because the media's 
and that's another institution that they've infiltrated the media, has been pushing the lies about how to um, improve your diet and how to how to eat properly. And big pharma and big business have been pushing sugary foods and, and the like, and that has uh, destroyed the you know many people's health. But yet we rely on these institutions. But all these institutions, all the institutions in the in America, have become corrupted by uh, money, by by people with an uh, almost a pathological outcome that they're seeking. In particular, I think they're they're also thinking they're actually uh, sociopathic or psychopathic. That's why I say it's pathological. Um, this includes the psychologists and psychiatrists. Uh, they, like I said, the educators in particular, who are predominantly women, who are, who are we also know are predominantly left. Um, they've been pushing these dogmas. As a matter of fact, a, a recent uh, uh, I think there's a recent push in Virginia to quote unquote uh, uh, make uh, math uh, some kind of equity. Uh, they're going to get rid of uh, advanced math courses. Now, ask yourself. Ask yourself logically, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to dumb down your kids unless you just want them for controllable reasons? Why would you want to teach them to hate themselves? Why would you want them to be focused on race instead of uh, achievement? Why would you want that? Then, oh, by the way, who's behind that? A guy named Bill Gates. Bill Gates is absolutely and abhorably evil, in my estimation. He is... He has become the linchpin to all these situations. Uh, he, uh, 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 a lady who runs a website, and I'll put her link in the description. She did a analysis of this recently, and and ties back in the Common Core and the the funding, and a host of people who have found out that Gates is a, he is a megalomaniac. He is involved in all these things. He's contorted the media. He's contorted education. He's contorted the university and medical sciences. He's uh, heavily invested in all these vaccines. Think about it. He's trying to control the United States of America, and he's trying to destroy this country. He is so megalomaniac because he is still revenge. He is seeking revenge for uh, the government going after him in the late 1990s. At least that's one thing. And also, he he wants he loves power. And uh, he has Warren Buffett backing him. He has the media backing him. He has a host of uh, outlets. Uh, he owns Harvard University in terms of their medical science, John Hopkins. He's infiltrated all these areas, and he's a hard leftist. He has uh, bought politicians. He's bought the Clintons. Uh, he's, a, he's a danger to our, he's a menace to our society. And he is funding this crap. Because he's probably, uh, ostensibly, uh, he's always been a heavily, he's a totalitarian control freak. And he always has been. And he needs to be stopped. But of course we have no Department of Justice who's actually doing a thorough investigation of him. And placing him in handcuffs so that he can't do this stuff any further. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation needs to be shut down. These These are my opinions, of course. But I'm going to say that I think there is plenty of fire there. There's smoke and fire, and they need to be they need to be reined in completely. I'm sorry, I have no longer a. This is this isn't about him being a, a bourgeoisie, but this is about him being an absolute evil menace to society, 
See, this time the revolution is being led by billionaires. Not only just him, but uh, he is he is definitely uh, a field general for this entire operation. Uh, other corporate entities are doing the same thing. They're all falling in line. This time the revolution is coming from from people who are uh, globalist. They've involved themselves in a host of uh, nefarious actions. Uh, they all get together at the World Economic Forum in Davos, and they think about ways to control the world. Uh, there's an article that just came up recently, or uh, a scenario where they're uh, trying to push vaccine passports in uh, the EU, uh, and they're using that as a control mechanism uh, for American uh, anybody who wants to visit from America. They're saying that they have to have a vaccine passport, and who's been pushing this from the outset? Gates. Uh, he was talking about vaccine passports back in April of 2020. What does that tell you? He's been behind all of this stuff. He's He owns Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's been involved with him. He had him on his board, his decade of vaccines. Notice how it was called a decade of vaccines and it started in 2010. And of course, the culmination of it, it resulted in 2020. Hmm. Start piece, putting these pieces together. If you start putting the pieces together, you'll find out that the that the worst people in human existence uh, have always had a long-term uh, planning horizon in terms of uh, involving themselves in things that they have no business in. And that, this this leaves aside his uh, his connection to Microsoft, which is a a terrible system, by the way. Uh, doesn't work appropriately. And yes, I know there's many thousands of people and many millions of people that rely and depend upon Microsoft Windows and uh and will say, Oh, it's such a wonderful system. But is it? Is it really a wonderful system? Is it really interesting that if you look at your Microsoft update, how how much it uh uh does certain things that you don't know about in the background? If you ever look up look at your processes that are getting updated and the things that are being going going on in the background, you'll find out that there's a host of things that are getting triggered that you have very little understanding of what's going on there and you don't know what it's doing. Is it sending information from your, your computer system back to Microsoft headquarters? Who knows? Who knows what else is going on? And, uh, I mean, you have to put a tracer on it. You know, the, you know, they got their, you know, your IP address is logged all the time. So there's just, there's just way too many things that we have very little uh, uh, understanding of that we need to, when I say understanding, the reason why we don't have understanding is because of the opace, uh, uh, opaque nature of it. That's why stuff like this, this audit here in Arizona, is so uh, instrumental to our uh, understanding of what's going on in terms of an audit. Uh, don't let the mainstream media fool you. They're liars, for one thing. But they're they, they they put it on display. There's there's no there's no. Uh, you can see people walking around. You can see people doing their job. You can see people hustling. I just saw a lady walk into the screen. She's hustling from one end to the other. She may be just maybe she's doing uh, has a personal issue, but you know it shows that these people are highly concentrated on what they're doing. Uh, they're not just they're just this is a organized operation. Uh, you may not like the outcome they come to. They may not have an outcome yet. Uh, when I say uh, yeah, outcome yet, they may not have. Uh, they may not achieve what they're, what everybody thinks they're going to achieve. 
But if they legitimately report and can show and verify and have these uh, ballots segregated that show that they're fake or they show that the, the signature matching doesn't uh, jive up with what their registration rolls are. And if they have all this data collected and you can't, you can't, uh, you can have any forensic audit you want, the Democrats are going to fight this tooth and nail. Why? Because the Democrats are no longer Democrats. They're Marxists. They're being run and operated by people that don't have your best interest at heart on any any number of things. They're using BLM and Antifa as weapons against our population. They roll them out all the time. Any event, any little triggering event, and you can see many times these triggering events. Ever since the uh, the Floyd thing, that was a that was a concerted operation that was sprung into action. They were looking for an event. Because they know they were going to randomly get one of these events, you know, every week or so, or every every so often. And despite the narrative that gets spun up in the media, only about a thousand, there's only about a thousand shootings of uh, suspects in a given year. The vast majority are armed, by the way. Like 97% of them are armed. There's about 30 to, they call about 30 to 40 incidents where the suspect is unarmed and generally uh, not fleeing. And those incidents are terrible, but I don't necessarily know every one of those situations. Those are shooting events. Uh, you, you're three and a half times more likely to drown in the United States than you are to be shot by a cop dead uh, on a yearly basis. Does that mean that I don't feel for those thousand people? Of course I do. By the way, if you look, take the, the flip side of that, there's many cops that wind up getting shot and killed on a yearly basis. Of the 800,000 or so cops that are operating in the United States or were operating in the United States as of 2018, uh, I forget what the final statistic is, but I think it's more like uh, every year there's about 90 to 100 cops that wind up dead. It's like four. It was a uh, like four hundred and sixty over a five year period. So about ninety ninety cops per year are killed by their assailant. So you got ninety cops per year dying, and you have a thousand assailants. Now you may say, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's a ten to one ratio. I go, uh, if you're a cop, every day you have to interact with these assailants. Uh, there's like over ten million arrests made in the United States on a yearly basis. Some are for traffic stops and a host of other things, but there is there is certain things that are going on for they've been going on for time immortal. The communists don't want to get into the numbers and information, and I just quoted that stuff off the top of my head. I mean, I don't have the absolute precise numbers in front of me right now, but you can look them up on the FBI database. You can download them. You have to fill in with a host of data that is missing from the FBI database. Uh, you have to go to local police, uh, local uh, uh, cities and states and gather the rest of them. But it should tell you something that I gathered this information. So I do know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Uh, I pull, I pulled down the Washington Post database. I did the analysis based upon population uh, demographics and stuff like that. And yes, uh, there's, there is a risk to all of us on a, on a yearly basis. Um, and there's some greater risk for different population sex. It doesn't, what it doesn't account for is the number of interactions. If you take the number of interactions per population, you're going to have probably a driver of the, the in, impact. 
And also, when you're dealing with inner city uh, crime and violence, you're going to have a higher uh, level of uh, murder rates. I think the I think the murder is roughly, I forget it was over 200 times. You're 200 times, uh, or not 200 times, uh, 200 percent. You have a 200 percent higher risk of being murdered in a um, in a U.S. city, a metro area, say over 100,000 or so, than you are if you live in the countryside. That's the reason why we have such a maybe a different view of reality. Uh, I think this that also includes COVID. So the vast majority of the COVID deaths happen in in high high densely populated metro areas, whereas people who live out in the countryside had little or no impact from COVID, uh, relatively speaking. I mean, there was a and actually there's a higher death rate out in the out in the countryside. But of course, there's older people that live in the countryside in respect to living in the uh, city. The cities usually attract younger people, so they had a lower death rate in 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 terms of of uh, of overall mortality. But uh, COVID turned out to have a higher death rate in metro areas, and of course, that they may also speak to uh, the hospitals being inadequate and in how they determine their care. Which is interesting because most of the metro areas have the the best hospitals, whereas the countryside people like to slag and say that the country doctors are are crappy at their job. So that's another example. Uh, you have to start getting into the nitty gritty in order to understand how how certain aspects of society function. It's just not just you know it's not just quote unquote black and white. There's a whole host of things that have to be analyzed and looked at. And the worst people that are going to analyze it for you are the media, because the media isn't isn't there to tell you the truth. The media is there to sell you a narrative, because they they know that the average person doesn't have time to deal with facts. They know the average person who watches their show is young, impressionable, impressionable and can be easily contorted, or at least that's used to be the case. Now the now the audience on on uh, mainstream media is older. Like if you watch Fox News, you're probably you know, probably the average age is 50. And so that's the reason why they besmirch that particular, for that particular network, they besmirch it and say those people are rubes and gullible and stuff like that. Um, maybe they are, maybe they are not. But when they, when they, when they, uh, uh, do analysis on some of them, they're probably some of the better, most better informed, uh, audiences that are out there. But that being said, that being said, if you look at the on the left hand side, if you look at the the MSNBCs and the and the CNNs and in the NBC, ABC, uh, and whatnot, uh, while they may not capture the younger audiences, the whoever they capture, the millennials or the Gen Xers, uh, they have to keep on keep up the propaganda. They got to keep up the same narrative because if they ever pivoted away from the same narrative, they'd lose all credibility with those people. Those people would be like, well, that wasn't what you were saying to me last week. So the reason why this has to be ginned up and kept propagated in the same direction is because they've already started down this road and there's no point, there is no returning back to normal. So there is a danger here. Until our government, which is in, uh, when I say our government, it, it, it just boggles my mind. Uh, hold on a second. So it boggles my mind that our government in Washington, D.C. 
has uh, has divorced itself from reality. That uh, they're pushing this, and that that we have Republicans who haven't been absolutely livid with these. Uh, and I, I only use Republicans as a stand-in. Uh, amongst the Republicans, there's probably a wider there's the neocon who are never going to get on board with anything because they they've profited and exploited from Americans for years. The Liz Cheney, you can, we can call it the Liz Cheney wing, the Kevin McCarthy wing, the Mitch McConnell wing. Uh, they're all parasites. They're all evil, and I say evil only from the standpoint they're either they're they're not stupid. These people didn't get to where they were because they're stupid. They're evil because they are destroying the United States of America, along with the Democrats. The Democrats just get more blame for it because the Democrats have been persistently, forever and a day, pushing the same thing over and over again. The same social justice, the same uh, white privilege, and all these little undermining narratives to the United States of America. Because they want power, and they want to bankrupt this country while exploiting it. On the way there, they're going to take their money. The Patrice Colors cons of the world are going to try to make bankroll off you. They're going to exploit the entire process, and they're going to take money. AOC is nothing but an actress, and she's going to exploit it. She's got her simp army out there. You know, if you don't know what a simp is, go look it up. Uh, she's got that army on Twitter that support her every little move because she's a retard. She is. She's totally, but she's very, very, very highly manipulative. She's her manipulation level is at the 99th percentile or greater. And she's using her manipulation to get people on board. And she always runs to social justice. She always makes herself a victim. She tries to make herself small when she, anybody criticizes her. But when she's not being criticized, she gets real puffed up with herself and real big. This is the communist boy all the time. When anybody, anybody actually questions them or gets them down to the nitty gritty, then they suddenly run to, they run to ad hominem attacks. They attack the person's character. They attack their, attack who that person's is instead of what that person actually uh, criticize them on. So when you criticize a person on the Green New Deal and say that the Green New, De- Green New Deal will not work because it's not structured to work, it's not structured to make our economy better, it's structured to destroy our economy, it's structured to to hamstring every every logical working American citizen. It has nothing, it has nothing to do with addressing not only climate change, but actually uh, addressing uh, social issues of any, any any magnitude whatsoever, and I say that because throwing money at situations and then uh, creating uh, creating all these uh, rules and regulations, and oh by the way, saying you can't use this, can't do that, you got to use this, you got to do that. That's a hustle. They're just getting. Pe- they're just trying to drive people who are in certain businesses out of businesses. They're trying to destroy entrepreneurship. The bourgeoisie class, the billionaires, have latched on to certain things, and they're controlling and manipulating too in this situation because they can, they can, they they know they have power. That corporate fascism that's been uh, in the background. This is an amalgamation. They knew the only way they could destroy the United States was to amalgamate all the worst nightmares of the American people: the corporate fascism, 
the communism, the destruction of private property, the destruction of the justice system, the destruction of the education system. This has been highly planned out. This has been planned out over a number of years. It's just coalesced here in the last four or five years because uh, they knew Trump was a danger to the system. Trump was a uh, a symbol. He was a symbol for all Americans who just, you know, they want they want to make money, they want to have a good education, they want their kids to succeed, uh, they want freedom, they want they want uh, security at the border, all those things. Those are those are priorities to all of us who are normal thinking and rational human beings. But if you're a monopolist in the big tech firms. If you're a uh, politician who's got their hands in the cookie jar all over the world and using uh, U.S. funds to kick back to themselves, like Joe Biden, if you're a uh, if you're a socialist or a Marxist or a lazy individual who doesn't want to do anything but yet wants to suck on the teat of of a welfare, or you want to run some NGO or want to be a political activist. Uh, Freedom is a is an enemy to you. Freedom and liberty and choices and uh, good decisions and competition. Those things are all enemies to what you're trying to do. They don't want competition. They want control. They want control of all of you. They want control of every single human being and everything they have. And that's the same that's that's why Gates is so so prevalent in all this stuff. He's a gutter snipe. He's been He's been selling people for years and years and years on how smart he is. I mean, he he really he really thinks he's super special. I mean, he thinks he's got he's godlike. I mean, you ought to see how. I mean, he nobody challenges him, nobody, because he buys them off. He sends grants to media companies. He sends grants to educators. You know, oh, let me buy you fifty computers for your your computer center at your middle school. Now, just make sure you implement my my uh, four steps to success on how to make kids hate each other, and and even if you question him, he'll he'll probably come back and say, well, "Why are you questioning me? You know, I'm only here to help. I'm giving you fifty thousand dollars. I'm giving you a hundred thousand dollars, which is just a you know a drop in the a drop of a drop of a drop in the bucket of his wealth, but to a local school who doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars." They go, okay, sure, or a million dollars. Say it's a million dollars. The 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 money becomes the way to entrap somebody. Uh, that's what the Chinese are doing with uh, the in Africa. Uh, it's called a debt trap. They get you, they make you beholden to them uh, through grants or whatever. But actually, they own your they own your behind. They own you from the get go. Never fall for a debt trap. Uh, that's what they do with people. Uh, normal society. They make you uh, beholden to an interest rate that's far higher than anything uh, that should be available. Think of credit cards. They're still charging 19% interest, even though the interest rate you know, for money is zero. So they're making money hand over fist off of you if you have high credit cards. That's just, that's just the way it is. They want you to live like that. They want you to live beyond your means. That's why people who who live within their means, but they don't want people to have savings. They want you to be in debt to everybody. That's why they're destroying our economy. 
and make it, and that's why they shut down businesses because a pri- uh, so a private entrepreneur who who starts squirreling away a little bit of money and I know people say well if they would just be invested in the stock market not everybody wants to invest in the same things you do you know a stock market is a casino it really is yeah you can beat the casino every once in a while but there may be times when the casino decides to break uh uh, and, and guess what? Who are the people that are going to want to break the most? They want to break down the, the lower rungs. You know, They want the stock market to only work for a handful of stocks. Of course, now, I mean, can you buy into Google? Can you buy into Amazon? You can buy some ETF or some bullshit like that, but that isn't going to get you where you want to go. <sighs> I, I, I've uh, rambled on and uh, ranted for quite a bit here. Hopefully, I'm uh, here for a second. Um had to break my, uh, okay, so, yeah, my stream went offline on DLive, but, uh, that, that was to be expected, let's see how far it actually went, um, it's okay, I, uh, I kind of expected that it, it was very temperamental about how it operates, um, uh, in terms of capturing a stream, it shows you a lot about, you know, how these scenarios are, so, no, I didn't, uh, and uh, kick over very well, but uh, that's okay. Um, so I'll focus on the. I'm going to focus on this Arizona uh, election area uh, for a second. So they do have uh, people that are standing with orange shirts in uh, certain areas, and they are like observers and watchers. Um, everybody's masked up, just in case for the libtards out there that still believe masks work. Mass work, and it, uh, there was a study just came out that uh, they said that you have to examine every environment uniquely, which is what I've been saying too. That you need two things: you need a control, uh, controlled access, and controlled uh, a closed environment, or else you really couldn't even mention that these masks would work. So this lady's got a face shield on. She's got a face shield on, but it doesn't go all the way over her head. I can see her face, and I just saw her reach up and scratch her nose and stuff like that. So she's got her hands in her pocket. So everything she's transferring from her hands to her face and back to her back to her pockets, the face shield is just so, you know, I guess you could say that'll keep her from uh, breathing on somebody too hard, so to speak. But uh, I just thought I'd mention that because... You know, there's a host of ways that people have decided to deal with this situation. I see another guy with a face shield on with a little visor. Looks like he's got a tennis visor on. So I'm just bringing that up as a sidebar here that, uh, you know, there are people that are involved in this situation that are doing things for, uh, you know, that, you know, I don't even agree with, but yet they're different. And if you look at the the people that are doing this, they're they're all uh, substantially different from each other. Um, I change my uh, viewpoint for a second. As I found out, my uh, live stream isn't bright, but I'm gonna still uh, uh, still stop uh, uh, still continue uh, my Sprecher broadcast. So getting back to what I was talking about with uh, this uh, revolution that's being pushed on upon the United States, um, it's kind of interesting that we're in this um, situation, and we're going to uh, we're going to have to continue to fight against this uh, this problem that's going on in the United States. Um, 
say fight against it, I mean, we, we first identify the problem, and our problem is our government. Uh, they're, they have, they have devoided themselves of, of the Constitution. They are, they, they are refusing to uphold the rights of the people, all people. You don't judge a person, as we've made over and over clear, you don't judge a person, uh, uh, by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Um, and that goes for every instant situation. Uh, there was a guy yesterday who, who would be very, uh, what would you say, controversial to mention. But uh, he made the point, he's like, you can take a great person who's great every day, always great every day, and then has one bad day and, and decides to do something very, you know, criminal. And then you can have another person who's bad every day. And that particular day, they were the good person. Now, when I say good person, they weren't doing anything wrong, and they were attacked. Now, how do you analyze that situation? You have to analyze the situation by the events of that situation. You have to try to do that as best you can. That isn't, and, and the only reason why anybody brings up anybody's prior um, situations is like, for example, let's just take the George Floyd situation. They tried to make him out to be an angel. He wasn't an angel. He was a person. He was in a bad situation. He actually was in the midst of uh, a supposedly passing a, f a fake $20 bill or something along that lines. And he was a, he was being arrested. Now, if I or most other people out here uh, resist arrest or uh, try to stall or do any of that kind of stuff, when, when the police were called on us, uh, they're not going to put up with that. Especially if I would have done something like that, they'd put you on the whole put you on the ground, they're gonna put the handcuffs on you, and they're gonna hold you down until you either stop fighting them, which will they'll just amp up the charges against you, call you for resisting arrest and whatever. Um so there is a process. Do I think that Derek Chauvin followed his process is absolutely to the T? No. I don't really think he I think there was a point where he should have got up uh, you know, within a, a minute or two uh, from uh, George Floyd, uh, and and determined that he wasn't a he wasn't resisting, and b there was something else wrong. He should have been able to feel that, or see that, or pay attention to that. Now, if he would have done that, he would have done a much better. He, he would have been a much more sympathetic situation. As it was, he committed what I would consider aggravated assault, but. He wasn't charged with aggravated assault. And the Minnesota law that was being used against him probably needs some revision. That being said, he was his the jury decided to, to convict him in one day because they were more scared that something was going to go wrong. And we had people who weighed in on the situation who have no business weighing in on uh, situations such as uh, uh, this particular case. When you have the president or a mayor... Or a local senator uh, saying to the public what the, the outcome of the case should be. They are interfering, as the judge mentioned in the case, a co-equal branch of government. They interfered with they interfere, interfered with due process in the case by interjecting their opinions in a case in which they weren't watching all the evidence. They weren't even they aren't a juror. They aren't even the not only the irrespective of whether they watched all the evidence or not. They are not a juror. They were not asked to give a uh, opinion 
guilty or innocent in regards to the situation because they don't weigh in on every case that's going on in the United States of America. So therefore, they shouldn't weigh in on that one. That was a mob justice ruling, and that is a dangerous precedent in this country. And it's dangerous because it sets up, and at some point or another, the people that are pushing these BLMers and Antifa and all these radicals into the streets who are, or or the media who are purposely doxing people, purposely doxing people and putting their lives at risk. If I was president, I would be arresting those people. I would I would haul I would go in there and I would take and of course that's what the media wants, but I would say, no, we're gonna make an example out of you. And the example we will make is you shall not dox people and you shall not put their lives at risk. The Department of Justice should go in and shut down that newsroom and say, you are, you will not do this to this country. Get on national TV. The President of the United States, if he had any guts, he would stand up and say, we are a free, free, a free and open society. That being said, when we have people who are purposely putting lives at risk, they are causing violence. They are the ones that are responsible. The media at this point is becoming... Uh, detrimental as the piece regarding Lenin uh, stated the media was uh, inner was more than willing to go along with the situation uh, the media uh, has become not only the enemy of the people but they are actually uh, the most dangerous aspect of this because they are entertaining these lethal uh, ideas and they're demonizing people who are just trying to go along go along to get along and the problem is, is they demonized the people on January 6th too, which was a reprehensible thing to do, considering it was hijacked, considering that they knew about it beforehand, considering that the FBI had had every every foresight to to protect that capital, and they didn't. They refused to do their job. That makes them guilty as hell. When you decide you don't want to do your job, you are guilty. Especially when your job is to support and defend the Constitution, and you swore an oath to this country. You swore that oath. And when you swear that oath and you wear that badge, you're supposed to do your damn job. You're not supposed to inject your political uh, philosophies into that. The president didn't call for violence that day. He said he 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 said nothing that Maxine Waters hasn't said, over said, over and over and over again. And he didn't say even that. She has gone out and gone out of her way to inject herself and to intimidate people and threaten people. And she does it because she can get away with it. A, because she's a woman. And B, because she's black. That's the reason why this goes on. On and on and on. People who hide behind their, identi their identity politics are evil. They are. They're using that identity. I don't care what the color they are. I don't care if they're whatever you want to call them. I'm getting frustrated with this 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 uh, attack towards pure communism. And yes, it's coming out in my uh, broadcast because uh, it's despicable that we have to fight these things over and over and over again. And we have to continue to fucking lecture these people. I mean, that's what it is. We have to continue to lecture them about things that should be easy to understand. But they don't care about understanding. They want they want what they want. And they don't care who they step on to get what they want. And that is the despicable part of this. 
It's like you have to explain to a child that they that they need to learn the word no, and they're going to say, okay, well then I'm just going to uh, uh, accuse you of things that aren't true to get the to use the power of the state to come down on you. What kind of child did you just raise? You raised an evil child. That's what you raised. And of course, a child uh, a child only knows what it knows at that time. But these are adults, and that's what makes it more despicable. They know better. They do. They know better. They know better than this, but they refuse to know better. They refuse to, to be honorable and have served with integrity. They're destroying this country based upon that fact. And it's it, it sickens me that I have to have to have to even talk about this stuff. I can't even get through a normal day anymore um, because I look at what's going on in this country. Like even at the Arizona, the auditors made up had had a had a guy on their on their team who happened to be a clerk or an intern for the uh, judge. Why was he involved in this at all? He knew damn good and well that the the judge would would uh, uh, quote unquote uh, he uh, he recused himself from the case as soon as he found that out. I was like, what lawyer does that? What despicable human being who doesn't understand that you can't be, you can't show any, any impartial, you have to, the judge can't, can't show any, uh, bias. And by having an attorney who used to be involved with, uh, the, the judge and whatsoever, and this was the auditing team, that, that was just a major, major stupid error. And that, that lawyer knew better. So yes, I'm going to criticize both sides in this case. I'm criticizing, I've criticized the Democrats and FD, but I'm going to criticize, I don't know who that lawyer was, but that lawyer was a dumbass for doing what he did. He, he, he impugned the characteristics of this situation. All he had to do was just stay off the case. That's all he had to do. He just should have, and, and the fact that he was an intern, we're not talking about, he wasn't, uh, I don't know how long he worked for the judge. I don't really care. But that, that, the fact that he would even enter, put himself in, in that situation to even uh, cast any doubt shows the level of stupid that we have in, in, in not only the legal process, but people who have no, um, either no ethical moorings or just, just, I don't know. I, 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 that, when I found that out today, I was frustrated, uh, about that. And that, and, and like I said, we cannot make mistakes. If you, when I say as a patriot to this country, you cannot make the mistakes that the Democrats are going to latch on to because they're effing evil. They don't care. They're looking for any little, little misstep while they can just go run rampant through the street. They 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 have used this idea that there's a moral equivalency, and chances are there isn't because the judge recuses himself. So a new judge will look at the situation and aspects of this scenario, and if he doesn't find anything wrong, then it'll go ahead. That being said, any time you get a new judge, you get a new you get a new personality, and you don't know what you're going to get. So that guy that guy just just really really uh, appalled me that he would even get involved in it in that kind of way. So. I don't know who it was, but whoever he was, that lawyer should never work again. Jesus, I mean, you you uh, you really, really, really have to be adult 
to know that that wasn't going to be focused on. That the judge himself, the judge judge recused himself, at least the judge did the right thing. Unlike, for example, uh, uh, Judge Sullivan out in D.C. who decided to interject himself as the prosecutor in the Michael Flynn case. So that tells you the, the, the level of, of uh, judicial uh, uh, ethics. So, for example, when the judge out there decided that he was going to take up the cause of the DOJ against Michael Flynn because the DOJ decided they no longer wanted to pursue uh, the allegation against uh, Flynn regarding lying or however you want to pre- present that. And the FBI was known for uh, manipulating their their 302s, which one of their investigators, Kleinsmith, was found guilty of. But of course, he won't get he didn't get anything of substantial impact on him because the uh, the DOJ doesn't police its own anymore. They don't care about ethical impropriety or any uh, measure of that, uh, uh, including sleeping, including sleeping with your uh, subordinates or, or, you know, or your peers and casting doubt on your ethical, uh, uh, more the ethical uh, behaviors of yourself. I won't well, go into that, but uh, I think we know who they are. Uh, this is just, you know, this is what we've come to as a country. And these people just think that they can get away with it, and and they don't have any, they don't have any sense of dignity or respect, and they just rub it in your face. And I guess that's what bothers me the most. It's like I'm not saying that I'm an absolute perfect human being. I know I'm not a perfect human being, but at least the things that I know that I've done wrong in my life, I've tried my best to improve upon, to make myself, you know, a much more. Um, I don't know, a, a much more clearer thinking person, which is hard to do sometimes. It really is. It's hard not to be emotional about this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at an event here and, and they're spending hours trying to come to a, you know, doing an audit and it's going to take 40 or 50 days to do this and they're only on day like two and there's going to be a host of people that are going to question their uh, what they're doing. Uh, I see, like, for example, there's a table where uh, they're missing a person and they're just sitting by waiting uh, uh, before they get started. So it shows that they don't they don't work without their team in place or they wait for further instruction. So they're not uh, they're not just willy nilly in this. They're actually concentrating on following proper procedure, um, which is commendable, you know, that I can a- ascertain that from. The fact that they, the way they set up their teams, they don't they don't operate without they they don't they don't do anything unless uh, they have their entire team in place because they know that this tape that's being run is being analyzed by their the their enemies for any little misstep, any little critical any little critical path that they can pick apart to say you didn't do something right because this is the level of malevolence of our enemies. They're going to look for anything they can. On Saturday, there was a guy who, who had an attack or whatever. When I say attack, he, he fell out. He fell on the floor. And everything stopped. And they uh, addressed the situation and, and, and walked the guy out. But do you think our, think the people that are against us care about that? No, they don't care about that. They don't care about human beings. For them, the less human beings, the better. They think they they are literally they look at this as a finite resource situation. 
they look at it as they can't uh, that uh, if there's more less of less of us, there's more for them. They don't ever look at it as there's an ever expanding pie. They think that they've reached the limits of the pie that is the uh, the earth. They seem to have no concept of how much of the earth is um, unexplored or uninhabited or even uh, being utilized correctly. Instead of improving the utilization of land and property and, and you know, for example, um, how uh, cities are structured. If if Democrats spent even a tenth of the spent about if they spent even a tenth of their efforts on improving their own local localities, they would achieve so much more. But instead, they spend all their time bickering, using race, using weaponizing gender, weaponizing all these different uh, uh, little cudgels to beat people over the head with instead of actually getting down to actually addressing problems. There's plenty of problems to address, but they never want to address them. They just want to create more problems so that they can always run on them. That's that's and 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 that goes for the Republicans too. Don't get me wrong; the Republicans are just as uh, errant in that. They just they're probably just less they're uh, sly, uh, on the sly of it. On uh, they just uh, actually they ignore problems like the summer when the riots were going on. They were just uh, they didn't they didn't open their mouths. I was like, why didn't you open your mouth? Why didn't you say how reprehensible this is? Is it? it it was the whole the whole of it was to just achieve to get rid of uh, the Trump administration by hook or by crook, and it tells you if we find out how much if we find out legitimately that there was a, a fraudulent election and that these ballots were uh, uh, manufactured in, we find out that there's uh, the signature matching isn't available or a host of other election irregularities can be counted and determined. And we can prove that, uh, you know, then everything should be questioned. And especially, why didn't they? Why wasn't this done by? Uh, why wasn't this done by the the DOJ or the FBI? Why weren't they involved in this? Why are they so uh, repugnant? Because we know they're in on the game. We know they're in on this to the highest levels including William Barr, who was a former member of the CIA. And the CIA has run color revolutions around the world. And his buddy, like uh, Joseph Carver Black, works for Mitt Romney and landed at uh, Burisma. Um, those people are they're parasites. They just they go around causing havoc everywhere they touch. Um, so, uh, I've ran it for a minutes. Uh, I lost my stream, and I'm about ready to lose my voice. And uh, there's audits going going on, and I think uh, I think we should just uh, go to azaudit.org. They have nine cameras you can take a look at. I'm looking at one viewpoint. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at uh, camera six. There's a lady in orange that's watching four guys sitting at a table. The the guys they're back to work after waiting for their uh, uh, coworker or co or peer come back. And now they're going going through the audit. So uh, I'm gonna close uh, this broadcast. I gotta I got my closeout music here that I gotta turn up a little bit. Um, calm down, take a breath. I'm sure that's what the liberals will say. That's another thing uh, people do who are 
against you. They'll uh, start trying to make you the bad guy or or whatnot. They'll try to. They'll try to. Uh, uh, I love it. They'll. They'll say, "Oh, why are you getting so upset? I'm getting upset because our nation's at risk." And they'll say, "Oh, you're just being a melodramatic." I go, "Really? You don't see. You can't see the dangers. You can't see the signs that uh, uh, our education system's falling apart because we have people that are indoctrinating kids and not teaching them anything. Uh, that there's statistical evidence that shows the the dumbing down of America." Uh, that our educators are poisonous to these people and are not teaching them accordingly. Um, I think it's kind of reprehensible to notice, not notice that or that uh, the rule of law is no longer uh, being applied uh, correctly, that we have uh, justices too scared to review uh, elections um, that are poisonous uh, to the, that's poisonous to democracy. Because once they decide they don't want to do their job, then, then everything else falls apart. And, you know, there's a reason why uh, our uh, founding fathers uh, decided to, to, to leave uh, the British Empire, the, or at that time, uh, uh, go against the rule of G- uh, King George. Because they weren't getting redress of their grievances. Uh, they weren't uh, being allowed to present their, their argument or getting representation. That's a key aspect. So when you no longer can trust your leaderships to do their jobs and they refuse to do it, you have a problem. God bless America. God bless the United States. Um, And everybody else have a great day. Um, Stay up.